you are listening to episode nine of the Chronic Sisters, and you are joined by your host Jess and Sean. Woohoo! Welcome back, everybody. We hope you enjoyed last week our little interview with Dom and Helene from the Spoonie Society. It was very fun. Like Sean said, it was like ladies at brunch. We yeah, had a loved. we had a great time. Yeah, we had a great time. And if you haven't already, please go and follow them and um, get some of their um, heat wraps because they are honestly heavenly they're life-saving and so cute so cute such good graphics so many designs we love them but if you haven't checked out the episode please go and do that um worth a listen it is absolutely and we love supporting aussie young gals who are just thriving and Mm. killing it in the business industry while still being spoonies themselves so that's pretty cool so cool all right, guys, this week, uh, it's a pretty heavy week again. Like mm. Sean said, we, we like to do this. We do a light and then a heavy. Mm. Um, but we were thinking this one might be a little bit of a mini series yeah. even. So we might start this episode and then we might delve into different areas mm. of this topic yep. um, throughout other episodes. So today we're going to be talking about mental health um, and more specifically our experience with mental health with mm. the hope and plan to interview others and have other guests that have battled some mental health illnesses in their lifetime. Yeah, so we're going to do it as like a little series, a couple of episodes all together following one theme and this is just the first one. So let us know after this episode if you want anything specific for us to um, follow up on. Um, But we've got some cool ideas coming for you. Yeah, and we just want to put a trigger warning to this episode too. Um, Sean and I recognise that we aren't mentally health trained. We are not mental health professionals. Um, And this is a lot of our experience and how we deal with our own mental health illnesses. Um, But we would like you guys to just look after yourselves too and like we've said previously either listen in parts or maybe skip this episode if it's a bad day for you um, and reach out to people for help because that's what we encourage and again um, Sean not myself will put links in the show notes I'll do it guys don't worry um, for support networks and numbers to help if that is needed um, so yeah, we're going to get into it. But first, oh god, it's the fun fact follow up. We need to get that, that like with nice. some music or stuff. I, yeah, we need it we need pre-recorded it, like, so we don't have spicy. to sing shit every time. Yeah, well, you know, it's giving the people what they want. True. All right, sister. I believe you have one. Well, I from do. Your interview. Well, I, I do. I do. Um, first of all, at one point we're talking about star signs. And um, I call myself an Aries Sassatoris. I didn't even notice yeah, that. Yeah, look, I did because it's freaking wrong. It's a Taurus, obviously, and I'm still half and half. So depending on what calendar you look at, I'm an Aries, 20th of April, same day as Hitler's. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> don't know me. Don't tell me why I know well, that. Yeah, I, like, I don't know. It's just one of those fun things that you Google once, like who else has your birthday? Um, oh, actually, I, I know mine. Mine's the Austin Powers guy. The Austin Powers the guy. The guy who does Austin Powers. What's his name? Is it Mike Myers? Mike Myers, yeah. Mike Myers, yeah. That's mine. <laughs> See, I know that too. Weird. <laughs> I think yours is a bit more fun than mine. Um. <laughs> that is so random that we know Yeah, that. yeah, look, Google's wild sometimes. Um, so, yes, it's a Taurus, not a Taurese. And also, confirming that I was correct, the wooden rattle um, is actually a um, football rattle. And my dad confirmed it also, and also Google did. And I... We'll put a photo on the stories to prove that they are, in fact, 
a football rattle because Jess didn't know what I was talking well, about. Well, no, I was thinking of the one that's like wooden but kind of like a drum with a string and the ball on it and you flip it and the ball flicks to either side of the drum. Oh, it like the tick, tick, Yeah. Yeah. It's not Why that. Why do I? It's not that. No, it's not Don't that. Don't know what that's called either, but maybe a different form of rattle. Um, I don't really have a fun fact follow-up particularly, but I had a, I learned a fun fact about myself today. Yes, just, just share now, that. Just now. Um, so it was, pretty, it was a pretty fun fact. Um, I have been having terrible pain. We all know, yeah, my coccyx shit, my pelvis is shit, my back shit, great. But about a week ago, my foot decided to join in because I think <laughs> I was just walking so all over the place. Everything was sore. My gait must have been off. Anyway, we all hoped it wasn't a neuroma because that requires steroids and potentially surgery. And Explain what a neuroma is to the people. Oh, so like, I mean, technically it's just like a bunch of uh, like nerves that have got all tangled up and there's not much muscle, lots of scar tissue kind of things. It's between my big toe and second toe, mm. not a lot of space between those joints. Um, and you're constantly walking on it I'm also. constantly walking on it. Yeah. And so now I have to wear a divider between my big toe and second it's, toe. It's hot. It's like it's a hot. it's like a mini thong for yeah. your foot. Or what <laughs> do you call it? A flip-flop. A flip-flop. Um, just for the toes Yeah, though. just to separate just my toes, toes to allow some of the swelling to like <laughs> I guess, swell and not get stuck in between my bones. So that's good. Um, anyway, lots of foot pain. And I can't remember if I told you guys, Sean definitely knows this. About six months ago, I was bitching that my foot foot felt like it had grown oh. and I went and bought new nursing shoes I got a whole half a size up because Honestly. I was like something has happened my right foot is touching the end of my foot of oh, not my foot my shoe and they said oh it's because your foot's got more flat and I was like how the fuck can it get more flat where I wear orthotics anyway I've been to this new marvelous woman who my auntie recommends and she did this funky ass assessment on me. She's a podiatrist. She's a podiatrist. She's not yeah. just some random she's, woman working no, out the back of the no, no, shed. No, 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 no. She's an amazing <laughs> podiatrist. Um, but anyway, she's found that my right leg is actually one centimeter longer than my left, um, which is why my right foot has flattened and indeed has got longer because it's been carrying all my weight, yeah. which is affecting my pelvis, my coccyx pain. But I now have to wear a fucking wedge. In it's, every shoe. It's literally like a heel. So if you get a ruler and actually just visualise how... What's the fluff on my finger? I don't know. Weird. Yeah. If you just visualise a centimetre, it's a freaking heel. And now I've like I've gained a centimetre in height because I was like flopping over to my left. Anyway, she thinks that if my legs and are the same height, my hips are in line... And we do some work and I wear this thong in between my toes. I might prevent some foot surgery, which would be ideal. But anyway, that's a fun fact about me. It was a fun fact. I've got a really long right leg. I love that And for my you. foot did get longer because it's carrying the weight. Yeah, look, so I, I did. have gone crazy. Yeah, I did call you crazy on that one because I was like, Jess. It doesn't happen when you're 27, Jess. Your you feet can't don't grow anymore. Well, like they you're did, done. Yeah, and they didn't grow. This got flatter, so it was worse. Yeah. But anyway, they did technically, I guess, grow in length. And then... This isn't really a fun fact follow-up, but I just need to put it... I can't believe you're doing this. I've, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm putting this to the people because I am shook. Also, should this be plugged in somewhere? No, because that's for the okay. interview that great. you had no idea what we were doing so with great. last time either. Glad, glad you could all hear what I said. <laughs> um, so I'm putting this to the people because, as you all know by now, I listen to Life Uncut religiously. Love the girls. They were having a conversation about pooing because they like to do that. And this was not what I thought you were going to call me out on. So, oh, yeah, really? go for gold. Yep. What was I going to 
Oh, I'm not going to give you any more. Oh, no. Okay, we can't go back to that. Now I've clicked on. <laughs> so, Sean with a connective tissue disorder with really long flipper feet has never seen a podiatrist and doesn't wear orthotics. And she would have so much relief in her hip and her back and her spine if she fixed her feet because they are the crust of your walking and your standing. And <sighs> I am such a believer in podiatry. So if anyone just wants to back me here and slide into my DMs <laughs> and get Sean to my goddamn podiatrist so we can help her pain and alleviate some of that so we can reduce them drunks, you know? I just think we should get into it. I'm I just all for it. I'm just gonna go with I'm I'm just gonna see how you go with it first. Fucking hell. <laughs> oh anyway, watch me thrive, bitch. <laughs> I can, I can hardly walk and I'm sitting on a donut now, but watch me thrive. Watch her. Um, but anyway, no, second call out. So love, life, uncut. They talk about shit a lot. Anyway, they had this conversation between each other asking how they wipe their bum when they poo. And so naturally, Shad and I were on a date night. When were we on a date night? Friday night. Mm-hmm. Last Friday night. Went on a date night. We're in the car. We're driving home. I said, oi, how do you wipe your butt when you poo? And I was shook. Shook. <laughs> So there's many ways. There's the sit and the lean forward wipe behind, right? Mm-hmm. There's what I, I actually thought there was two options. I thought that was it or the like standing, squatting a little bit, the slight hover. bend in the knee, hover. Standing but not a full stand, your knees have a bend to them, vibe, right? Like the stagnant squat. Yeah. squat. And I think it's all come about because I – was taught by my mother that ill public toilets are disgusting. Yuck, 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 yuck. So even when I had to wee in a public toilet, I would have to squat and hover over the seat because we don't have time to put toilet paper around the seat and that is a waste for the environment. Mm. So you would have to have quads of steel and mum would make me like literally hover stand over the toilet to wee. See, I don't understand that because why does your butt need to be hygienic? What? Where are you putting your butt that it being on a, a public toilet seat is an issue? I don't know, but mum literally taught me that like, like, the just... seat was lava. Like I could not oh. touch that. And <laughs> no. if I, I was going to get diseases. Anyway, so I think... My Bambi legs would not hold up for that. True, true, true. But I think I did the awkward stand thing because to wipe my butt. So I'm that awkward, weird stander, hover, hover, hover person. Squat. Because I couldn't have my hand anywhere near a toilet bowl or effectively going near the toilet bowl while wiping my butt because I have to poo all the time, IBS life. I mm. couldn't be near a public toilet seat with my hands. So I stand to wipe my butt. And I thought that was relatively normal. But apparently I am also the minority for that part. But Sean wipes in between her legs. <laughs> what the fuck? Look, like, are you wiping poop into your fanny flaps? No. Oh, no. Nah, I'm sorry. Look, I still don't believe it, sis. I just, I don't understand how it's so mind boggling. I, for one have Bambi legs. So the thought of standing as like a hover squat is just not going to happen. I also have a fused spine and I cannot (laughs) twist in one spot. So that's not going to happen. So rather than having a shitty ass, (laughs) I I have adapted much like I have done throughout my life. But your butthole's so far away to be pushing your hand in between your flaps. Have you seen the length of my arms? (laughs) And the length of my fingers and hand. Honestly, I could literally wipe my ass from outside of the toilet cubicle by how long my arms are. I just can't twist. So I also know where my asshole is versus my vagina and my urethra, we vagina poop. So I can actively find it with a tissue 
and wipe it without contaminating the other areas oh, of know. my. But you're wiping from the front. It's but like it's you... just it's just a swipe, like a whoop. Yeah, and then throw. and anyway, I was so shook. I wasn't okay. That Sean went back to her household to ask Zach and Reese how they wipe their butts, and then the following day, I got a video of Sean wiping her butt, and yeah. I am still shook like there's no boundary in our friendship there isn't a boundary but (laughs) honestly if you're one of these people that wipe it between your legs to wipe your bum can you please message because i am sure you are riding this is a safe space do you know what i just enjoy it i'm sitting down for the whole time it's a timeout time for me yeah you do take quite a long time to poo i honestly i just go there to hide sometimes especially at parties or at work (laughs) works too hard i'm like i just need a timeout yeah, time out and go sit on the toilet. Wipe some poop in my vagina. Honestly. Anyway, we'll we'll put a poll up for that, or you just let us know. We just how come you at you with butt. the really high level <laughs> conversations. Apparently, Sorry. We really have... diving down on we're, the episode we're... nine. It's all right, we're coming in now. It's getting serious, so we just have to start a little bit more lighthearted. Yeah. Okay, mental health. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. I've got some hot statistics that I am going to start with because I found these quite astounding to me. Mm. So we have spoken before on the podcast that there is a very strong link between anxiety, depression and chronic illness. Mm -hmm. And we know this and we actually know that people with a chronic physical illness are twice as likely to develop mental health illnesses. Yeah, I mean, it's not hard to imagine, right? Like you're constantly living in pain, discomfort, you know unknown uncertainty like it's not a a huge leap no and it's not a big shock but what i found was a big shock is that those statistics they're looking at are now looking like it's reversed so if you have a chronic mental health condition you are twice as likely to develop a chronic physical illness that's whether that's a type 2 diabetes or something like that yeah so cardiac issues there is a strong link now that they're looking at it's crazy how powerful the mind is the mind and body and how they work together yeah we just don't know so much about it yeah massive and also we are australian even though sean's not a real one um so a lot of our statistics are australian but one in in four australians will experience anxiety at Mm -hmm. some point in their life Mm -hmm. one in five women will experience depression at some point and one in eight men so these are recent Australian statistics all from Beyond Blue. Yep. Um, and people with a chronic physical illness co- have also a mental health, who have a mental health illness as well. That's 28%. So 28% mm. of people suffering with physical illnesses, which again, like Sean said, it's not really surprising, no. I don't think. Um, I'm surprised it's not higher, Yeah, to be honest. And people with persistent pain and chronic pain are four times more likely, so not twice, but four times more likely to develop anxiety and depression Mm. Um, because obviously chronic illnesses cause a disruption to your work life, your social life, your financial life. Sleep. Yeah, everything. So they were some stats that I just thought we'd start off with to really bring home how prevalent mental health illnesses are. Yeah, for sure. And like we live in a world now, so, you know, everyone's very aware of mental health that it exists and that people have it and it but there's still that taboo of admitting that you do have it and what the perception of it is and so there's still a little bit of work to do around actually feeling comfortable to admit that you do have a mental health condition 
in a society where it's very performance based. Yeah. So your work is performance based, you know, how you're doing socially, whether you're keeping up with the Joneses, you know, whether you've got a car, house, fashion, social media, all that stuff. It's very production based, you yeah. know, product yeah. based. So when you're battling with a chronic illness, it's the same kind of template, if you will, for when you have a chronic mental health issue. They're still both health issues. They're literally in the title. Um, and so it can be really hard to feel comfortable in in telling other people who may, maybe don't necessarily understand what you're going through that you have it because you're, you're potentially putting yourself up for a review from that person. And if that person is also your boss, potentially, it can be really an awkward line to walk. It's really hard, but we're now in a society where everyone's like very on board for pro healing, pro mental health. And our parents before us and their parents before them came into an, a society where it was not spoken about. You did not show yeah. any signs of weakness in inverted commas for being not okay. And I it was, guess it shows how much we've actually progressed quite quickly. Because yeah. it's only just like we said, it's just the a generation above us. Like yeah. it's, it's it's only something that's we're only talking about, but we have moved mountains in oh, recent it's years. It's been huge what we've been able to do as a generation. And I think there's so much to be said for acknowledgement of an issue. So for me, like I have anxiety and depression and I have done for many a year now um, and probably m before... I was diagnosed with it um, and throughout my teenage years. And it can be quite a daunting experience to be feeling as though you're not normal, feeling as though things are really overwhelming and just being scared of general day-to-day -day life. And it can be really isolating. And a lot of the stuff we talk about is a common theme of being isolated. And yeah. the first time that I actually sought help was post my stroke. And we spoke about it in the episode where we described death and dying. <laughs> light subjects um so um when I went to the um therapist the psychologist after the, my stroke the one teaching that I got from um my times with her was about acknowledgement so she brought to my attention pretty rapidly that I have an avoidance of, of stuff I'm like I'm just gonna ignore that and it's gonna go away oh, yeah. um same, same, yeah if we just sweep that under the rug it will just it'll vanish <laughs> disappear it's fine the fairies will come yeah they're real right so um the theory that she gave me or the scenario right was this so you're on a bus and you're sat on a bus and these two rowdy people and we'll name them anxiety and depression they get on the bus and it's just you on the bus and then these two wild characters and they come and sit right next to you not anywhere on the bus just like slides on into your two-seater seat and they're starting to talk to you and I don't know about you but when slightly off-kilter people start talking to me in public I ignore them do you ignore uh, yeah. them? Yeah, I ignore yeah. them. So I said that I'd ignore them. I'd put my headphones yeah. in and I'd ignore them. Oh, yeah. I'd do something else. And I'd else. just walk away. Yep. No, don't want to talk to you. My own business. Don't want to talk to you. Thank you very much. And she said, yeah, but that's going to annoy them. And they're going to try and talk to you more and more. And then they're going to get in your face. And then they're not going to let you get off the bus. And, and then they're going to start hurting you. And I was like, oh, 
Right. And so I was like, I what do you, that. yeah. She's like, what do you, I was like, what do you, what do you suggest that I do then? And she's like, well, I think if you just acknowledge them and acknowledge that their existence and that they're there, it'll stop them accelerating up to hurting you. And I was like, right, right. Okay. So, um, I can't ignore how I'm feeling then. Is that what you're saying? She's like, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. I was like, right. Okay. Great. Great. When I saw my psychologist after my traumatic breakup, I was never had been diagnosed with depression or anxiety, but I did the um, DAS score, the mental health score to get Mm. on a mental health care plan. And she said, look, you are showing both stress, Mm. depression and anxiety. I was like, wow, all three on the dad score. Yeah, cool. That's Love so that great. And she goes, we know this is because you've had a traumatic response, mm-hmm. but let's get on top of it now. Yeah. And so for my anxiety, I would kind of, I'd do a shun and I'd either ignore it mm. or I would obsessively think about it to the point where I became physically sick. Nice. I had adrenaline running. I was sweating. I was nauseous. I was losing sleep. Yeah. And I'm a very visual learner. So this is actually still on the side of my fridge on a magnet, but I have a little like tree diagram. Yep. And it was, is this something that I can control? So feelings that I had, and it's a pretty simple thing, but sometimes it's a matter of I'm cooking dinner. I look and I'd be stressing about something. Is this something I can control? Mm. Yes or no? Mm. Is there something I can do to change the way I'm feeling or to change the potential outcome? Mm -hmm. Yes or no? And if I can't do anything about it, it's like Sean said, it's about acknowledging that I'm feeling that way. Yep. But going, I cannot do anything. So there's no point investing more of my time when I know 100% that I can't change anything that might happen. So yeah. whether that was for a job interview or whether that's for me finding a future partner or just getting anxious about any any little thing, mm. I can't actually change any of that. Mm. And I've done all I can. So say when I got my job promotion, I knew I'd done a great selection criteria. I knew I'd done a great interview and it was just that waiting and that anxiety mm. of not knowing. I'd done everything. Yeah. There's nothing else I could have done to change the outcome. So it was about acknowledging that, parking it, and then investing all the energy I was spending on that into something else to mm. improve my mental health. There's so much strength in letting go of something that you can't change. Like it's honestly the most exhilarating feeling. And with when you have anxiety and depression, your body can constantly feel like it's in a fight or flight scenario. And it is exhausting. Like as Jess said, it, it physically affects you. And when we mentioned about the connection between your mind and your body and how insane it is, when my mental health is bad, my pain is worse. Absolutely. Like my yep. sleep is worse. My joints are worse. And it's insane. As soon as you treat one of the things, it brings everything up. And there's so much more around me that affects my mental health than affects my physical health. Yeah. And so my mental health is actually the most vulnerable part of me. Yeah. Because everything else is stable and I've got everything else under control. But my mental health is more vulnerable and more open to change. And without focusing on it and putting the same amount of energy that you would into your physical illness, you're leaving yourself open to being wiped out yeah. by something happening and by some um, by you not 
connecting with how you're feeling I think that's so interesting like this morning I had um, brunch with a girlfriend who had experienced some post-birth anxiety and stress and we talk very openly and we're talking about that and she just said you know what Jess I'm so proud of you for taking these last 10 days of your annual leave to focus on you and doing things to improve your health but have you done something for your mental health have you booked in Mm. something for your mental health and I said it's really interesting but opposite to Sean I feel like I have done a lot of mental health work by myself in my own time, not mm. not necessarily seeing professionals, but whether that's meditation or journaling, I do a lot of that. But I had let my physical health go yeah. terribly. And then that in turn was fi- like I, I was fixating on my mental health because my physical health was bad. I was mm. having those thoughts. We've spoken about body image, I think it was episode four. Mm. But I was very, I'm not someone that's been, you know, of course I have days we've spoken on that episode where you feel shit about your body and things like that and you have Mm. a flare up and you feel shit. But I was persistently feeling like shit. Mm. My physical pain was spiralling out of control. And in the last, you know, these last 10 days I'm back. Oh, you'll be very proud of me. I don't know if I've told you all that I am into a pelvic physio. No, I've done it. I haven't told you guys. Yes, so that was what I did this week. I um, didn't go back to the beautiful physio that I was seeing because she worked next door to the man that I've got. Who shan't be named. We can't can't talk (laughs) about him. But significant PTSD, so I wasn't going. Anyway, got a name of a lovely new physio and she has been wonderful. So I'm back doing the physio. I am seeing this podiatrist that I'm going to make Sean see and I'm getting on top of that. I am back doing, what did mum call it? The triple P's. She was like, you're back doing your triple P's. Podiatry, physio and Pilates. So Mm -hmm. I've re-enrolled in a new Pilates um, studio and it's on my street, which is very exciting. I don't have to travel on my donut ring anymore after work. And so I have put the time into my physical health, but for me, my mental health in turn has picked up Mm. significantly Mm. because I know that I'm doing things that I'm seeing results from already and it's only been a week. Mm. Um, whether that's my pain being more under control or finding out my legs longer or, you know, like that's my coccyx pain. I said to Sean after I went to this pelvic physio, my pain went from a 10. Two days after went to a four. We're back up to a six or seven, but we're seeing her again tomorrow. And I know that the money that I'm investing, yes, it's a lot. Financially having a chronic illness, the burden fucking sucks. Mm. I'm paying $100 to see these three specialists multiple each. times a week each. Um, but I can see results. So I, that is helping my mental health. Mm-hmm. So I feel like my physical health for me has been more vulnerable, but the mind-body link is huge. So huge. It's 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 insane how huge it is. And it wasn't until, like, I thought, oh, I'm over it now. Like, once I've kind of got my PTSD under control, I was like, yep, sweet. I'm in. I'm sorted. Nope. <laughs> no, you're not. You are not okay. And it took being super stressed during COVID um, with work to put me into an absolute shitty spiral, um, which sent me straight back to the GP with... And I had to be written off work for like two weeks because my body was literally falling apart and my mental health was atrocious. I was depressed. I was anxious. I was having panic attacks on the way to work, um, breaking down in tears um, in the car park, um, you know, physically just draining. And I've met my amazing psychologist and Finding a psychologist that you connect with is really important because you have to be your most vulnerable with these people. And I would um, encourage you to, if you have had um, an appointment with a psychologist and you didn't connect with them, that's okay. 
they're not for you. There will be someone that you connect with. And I think it is super important to recognize that and to just put some effort in um, to find the person that you fit with um, because it, it has honestly helped me so much. And she has shown me um, within myself, it's I'm 29 now and this has been, I've been in therapy now for just over a year um, and it is 28 years worth of trauma, packaging um and to find out (laughs) that your past experiences as a child as a teenager um your interactions with people friends families um professionals has such an impact on the person that you are today and there is a crazy link to that and things that you have no idea that you haven't processed that actually affect you and she has helped me unlock those and we're working through them and it is a process yeah and like I think like Sean said to be honest I thought my psych she was a lovely woman she had been a nurse before we had bonded on many areas but I think we got on as friends and I don't like I said I didn't learn much from her a few Mm. like few little strategies but it was mainly a place for me to go for an objective vent Mm. um so moving forward and as I work through some PTSD I don't I think I think I need to do the hunt again Mm. and find someone that's more for me but like I said I have been doing a lot of the work um on my own and kind of navigating through that but I even said to Sean like Sean just spoke about then how you can't believe that your childhood stuff or things you've seen as a child mm. affect the way you process things as an adult. And when I was up north, I took a book with me. And like we all know, <laughs> I don't read books. And to be honest, I was so proud of myself because I got halfway through. I still haven't finished it. I got back from my holiday and stopped, which was shit because I was learning a lot. Um, but I'm not into like stories. I'm into more like <laughs> learning things about yeah. myself, right? So I came home to Shan. The book's called Single Pringle. Uh, her name is Stacy, the author. That's going to be a fun fact for that. No, her name's definitely Stacey. Uh, she's a radio presenter. Um, anyway, she talks about being single in mm. her late 20s. And I said to Sean, I was like, wow, I was reading all about this thing called uh, inner child work. Mm. I didn't know anything about it. My friend Bree had told me a little bit about it Um but I hadn't done any work on it myself. Anyway, it was all about being single and why you, people who are single in their late 20s, different reasons why you look for a partner. Mm. And so people talk about, you know, having, witnessing traumatic separations of parents and divorce. Check, and that's me. All of that stuff. And that's why you're looking for security, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I come from an incredibly loving, overly supportive, wonderful, incredible united front of yeah, parents look. like they're still obsessed with each other they love each other they hold hands 24 hours a day dad still buys mum flowers they do everything sickening, together. really they are sickening beautiful but sickening love but them i never thought that that would have a negative effect on me now mm. but for me i am this strong independent woman now which mm. I never thought I would be. And I am that person, can do everything on my own now, nothing phases me. But the reason I still look for someone else to be a part of my life is because I have grown up learning that dependence and codependence is the, the way to be happiest mm. in life. It's the example because that you've been given. my mum and dad, I, we've had, we actually had this conversation when I was reading the book because I was with them on yeah. this holiday. And I said, they, they're not individuals. My mum and dad... Are one. Yeah. They are one mind, when one body. Become one. They are literally. Spice sis. girls. 
Yeah, I love that. <laughs> they, they the are. 90s kids listening to this are like, yeah, Spice Girls. Yeah, and they, they don't do anything without each other. Mm. They're, they're incredible. But, you know, I've had to find my hobbies, find myself, spend time alone. You know, dad's never really worked fire for it. He's never done anything. Mum and dad are in bed every night. They do everything together. And so mm. that's why for me, I learned through my inner child work, that that is why I look for a partner, because mm. for me, that is the optimum, the premium, the mm. ideal. The that is That is what happiness, true happiness is, even though I'm really fucking fine on my own. Yeah. That's why I still look. That's so the goal. Isn't that really interesting? A little bit of it's mental super health interesting. inner child work. Ch- inner, inner child work is um, something that I want to uh, go into more personally with my therapist. And we've started to do little bits of work on it. Um, but- I've learned so much from Shan's therapist through yeah. Shan. <laughs> Shan will come and be like, just got back from therapy. Look what I learned today. Yeah. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Wild. Um, but she um, had me, basically connect basically within yourself for me um you have different uh versions of yourself that you present and they have different roles um within your psyche within your brain and I've spoken to it in the um, body image one that I had this inner voice we named her Stacy which is really funny that the author's called Stacy um (laughs) We named her Stacy, and she was the teenage version of me trying to protect me from the bullies and the projection of that you're not good enough and um, preempting um, bullies. So that's part of it, and you, you you create this protective thing. But I read this really interesting post about inner child work, and for those of us who have been forced to mature earlier than our years and you would have been told that you're an old head on young shoulders or that you're you know you're so mature for your age beyond your years yeah love that so for those people including myself the inner child work around it is that you've been forced to not be a child in your childhood years and you've missed out on elements of your childhood um and the ability to play and so part of the building up and respecting your inner child um, some of that work is to actually invoke play within your life and this article was really interesting actually because it was like just put bubbles around your house wow just put bubbles around your house and blow them for no reason that makes so much sense like I mean not even inner child work but say inner adolescent work Mm. Someone like you and I, like me especially, I dived in to intensive care, pediatric nursing mm. at the age of 20. Mm. Like people were out finding themselves. They were partying. They yep. were getting pissed. They yep. were, you know, traveling, katikiing. Mm. They had no care in the world. And here I was looking after the sickest children in the state full time. Mm. So I find, and a parents used to say that, what do you mean you're only 21? What do you mean you're only 22? Like yeah. you're wise beyond your years. Yeah. But I think because that part of growing up was removed from me at my own choice, of course. Naturally, yeah. I, but I only realize now I'm like, when people are like, oh, how long you been? I see you like a year or so. I'm like, oh, seven years. Yeah. Like my, my whole adult life, I have put myself in the most stressful environment. And well, then you remove... The, I guess the play of adolescence, the yeah. play of growing up, the play the of being a young adult, the fun, yeah. Well, if you think back, and that, here, here's some work for you, sister. If you think back then... Don't know so if I like this episode. Yeah, here we go. Uh, we're working hard. 
Um, so you've gone from ICU and then you did your grad program, which was in a pediatric setting, which was really hard to get into. And then you went to university and I'm assuming got really good grades. Yeah, I was, um, I was runner up ducks for uni. Yep, cool. Um, so really good grades, highest in the classes. <laughs> and then second, well, still top tier. Taylor was number one. Taylor. Love Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, mm, she, she beat me. She doesn't know her. We love Taylor. <laughs> so um, what if I did know her? I don't think you would. You're not from here. <laughs> I, I, mean, I studied might. here. No, but she went to my uni. You didn't go to my uni. Oh. I mean, you mean you might. Wow. smallish. Wow. Anywho, um, so you did really high grades in, in uni and then in high school, did you do really good high grades? Yeah. So you like work. 96.4. Mm, so you worked really hard in high school as well? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> also, did you do after school activities such as dancing that was really intense? Maybe. Yeah, you did, didn't you? Yeah, maybe six yeah, hours you did. on a Saturday with them. Yeah, break. and how old were you when you started that? Three. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> so how is that play going for you, sister? Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> then did you do a postgrad and then did you do more study? Maybe. Yeah, 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 you did. Yeah, you did. Oh, did you buy a house as well? Yeah, 23. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah cool. Yeah, so look. And I'm speaking from experience. I was forced to be very mature from a very young age because I was sick and I was very protective of other people's emotions around me. And that's my purpose. And that's part of my um, psyche is that I have to protect those around me by absorbing all of their fears and their pain and making them feel better and not showing my true self. And that's what I did for many years. And the only real person that I was fully transparent with was my granny. And is this the one we sent flowers to? Yes. Last week? Yeah. Yep. Um, it's my granny and she was my therapist before I had a therapist. She helped me through my um parents' divorce. And she honestly, I don't think I would be here without her. We love I'm getting granny. teary thinking oh, about it. Um yeah. She thank you. I am gonna cry. Um which is another thing. Um I don't cry um like proper cry. Um, because I've made myself think that it's a sign of weakness, but if I'm nursing someone, I'll be like, darling, cry, let it out. But it's not okay for me to do it. You're okay to make mistakes. It's not okay for me to do it. And this is the stuff that I've taught myself over the years. And it takes a lot to undo that work. Yeah. Excuse me while I just dab my tears away. Stop it. I'm not, I'm not an overly big crier. I know, um, once this year I had a very big mental breakdown um I found out some things about my long-term ex I was recovering from my multiple traumatic operations I was in a very bad place children were potentially not on the card for me my ex was trying for children after a very short period of time I it all came crumbling down and I rung my mum I couldn't breathe she came over and I had rage. I've never, I said to, Sean and I actually had this conversation the next day. Cause again, we're going to have filters or boundaries in our yep. friendship. And I said to Sean, I said, I don't think I've ever felt anger. Mm. I don't think I've ever let, I feel angry that these things happen to me, but actual fury and anger. I don't think I've ever felt it. Mm. And Sean and I were talking about, we might do a, uh, like a family episode. Mm. And I love my brother dearly. Mm. But he was the one that carried the anger for the two of us. He yeah. had anger outbursts 
when he copes with anger, if something pisses him off, that's his way of getting his emotions out. So I've always been the submissive one. Mm. And so I had these overwhelming fears of anger, what had happened to me in my past relationships, what happened to me physically, surgically. And I said, my mum came over and I screamed. I literally, I just got a cushion on the couch and I just screamed into it. And my mum was like, I, I, I was shaking. I was so angry. And my mum didn't know what to do. My mum just burst into tears because as a parent, she had never seen her daughter in 27 mm. years be angry. Mm. I wasn't an overly, I wasn't a problematic teenager. Yeah. I, like Sean said, obviously there's no time for play. Um, <laughs> I didn't do anything wrong. I never yeah. snuck out. I never drank alcohol before mm. I was 18. I, I never caused problems yeah. ever. And so I was so incredibly angry and I didn't know what to do. Because you've never had to process that yeah. feeling before. So it's bizarre. And I said to my dad, I, was like, I just want to fucking drive to my ex's house and can we go slash his tires and maybe egg his car. I was so angry. And my dad was like, babe, how about we channel this energy? Mum and dad were like, how about we make um, life cutouts of their head on like an A4 piece of paper? Maybe we just burn them in the fire pit. Maybe that's a better way. And I was like, oh, it's not going to inflict any pain on anyone. So no. Yeah. But anyway. It was this horrible, angry day. And the next day I was completely fine. It was like it hadn't happened. Mm. But that feeling of being so overwhelmed with one emotion that I've never, ever had to process. Mm. And then after that, of course, it was the grief. It was the denial that my physical health had significantly declined. Yeah, It was all of the other stages of grief. Five stages of grief. I feel like I'd always missed that stage. Yeah. Because I was, like Sean said, protecting everyone else because that was my job. It's inconvenient to yeah. be um It's your inconvenient true to be self. angry. You can't have two angry people in a house. No. You know, you couldn't do that. You've got to keep the balance, darling, yeah. always. Yeah. Wild. And that's because, it, you know, that's just the, the person that we've been forced to be through environment or experience or, you know, through no fault of anyone's. No one no. actively makes you into anything no, but and it's my, just my reactive mom always feels really terrible she's like oh is this my fault like she felt bad that her and dad had such a beautiful relationship when i told them that she's like i'm really sorry <laughs> i'm sorry that we're like, so mom always, mom always, yeah i know mom always apologizes like it's not it's not every, you every human has work to do on themselves but it's oh. really nice finding out the reason behind it though and yeah. like, okay this makes sense and how can i better this how can i fix this how mm. can i channel these emotions how you know I um recently, but not recently, really. Um, I recently found out what dissociation is, um, and then recognised that I do it heaps. Um, so dissociation is where you um become disconnected with your body and the moment and the environment around you, and it's from it's triggered from a previous event, so traumatic experience, um, childhood abuse, um. What else did it say? I can't remember now. It was ages that I read it. But it was a traumatic event previously that has happened to you um, that created this environment where you felt like you needed to disconnect. And um, I have, well, since I've been with Zach, he's noticed that I do it a lot. And I didn't really notice that I do it that much. Um, But I do now. Um, And it is from when I'm sore or in pain or out of control of my body, I would just dissociate and... It's to allow myself time to um, calm and um, disconnect from the moment because you can't control it or I'm in pain or something has triggered me in the environment that has reminded me of a 
traumatic experience that I've had. Um, and even in the shower, um, like if I'm washing and touching my own body, I don't have, like I've said before, a good connection with my body. So I'll, I will actually dissociate when I'm washing myself uh, because I don't like to be touched apparently. So that's nice. You know what? I was also thinking about um, your therapist and, and the things you learn and that kind of stuff. But I remember when you came home one day and um, it's like we live together. Hey? All this stuff. <laughs> I remember this one time you came home. Um, this one time you came home after you went to therapy and you were telling me about this thing that we both are fucking terrible with. But it was about, um, you know, a lot of people have written to us about mental health and mental health and feelings around guilt with mm. work and dealing with that and caring for yourself when your physical illness your mental illness has kind of taken over and not putting mm. yourselves first like you allow your families to cry but you don't cry yourself mm. but I remember you came home with that pyramid uh, like triangle thing and you had the three different people I don't know if the top lady was Stacy and then it was you and then the bottom one was Bambi and they were saying oh, about yeah. like um we Sean and I are banging at the gate to sometimes like give in to our pain and just rest and recover. And Sean called her Bambi, that mm. part of you, because that's the part that needs to be nurtured and cared for that's dependent on your on someone to help you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Sean and I bang at the gate and physically, mentally, we might need to be in that Bambi zone. Yeah. But because of our inner child work, because of our trauma, because of our jobs, mm. we don't open the gate to let us be Bambi. Be Bambi. Yeah. So it was basically a um, pyramid of um fatigue pain and how you react in response and what you need and so at the top of the pyramid was like I can't even remember what I called it um but the top of the pyramid was where pain's good you're you know you're independent you can function at a full level and all's well and then the middle section was the the pain is quite bad but you're still semi able to function um and the closer you are to the top section, the better, because then it's, you know, you're getting closer to being okay. And as you sink down to the bottom of the pyramid, there's the section that I named Bambi, which is the vulnerable, the need to rest and hibernate almost um, to look after yourself. And you can't really connect with anything else at that time because your pain or your depression or anxiety is so bad that you need to just curl up in a ball um and but like just said the conversation was that because of our um mental attitude towards our jobs our work and our ability to connect with those around us and the need to look after other people and not ourselves we don't allow ourselves to fully rest and to fully recuperate and so it was a really interesting um diagram to kind of bring to your attention how little we value caring for ourselves and how much we put other people's experiences above our own. And it's work that needs to be done because at the end of the day, you can't look after people if you're not functioning. Yeah. Right. And that is something that I'm trying to teach myself. And I'm also trying to and teach. Me. Yeah. And you, <laughs> I'm trying to drag you through the lessons. Yeah. Um, and also my team at work, um, you know, if you're unwell and you cannot work, then do not come to work. Rest. Sean is so cute. She makes all her staff do this little like mental health minute. like this, Yeah. She- so we haven't actually done it for a while, which is really bad because we've been busy. Um, but what I've brought into my work um, is 
uh, mindfulness moment. So we take 20 minutes. Mental 30... health minute sounds cool too. That sounds cool. Maybe I'll bring that to my team. <laughs> yeah, you can take that one. But what we do is we just sit in a room, we turn the lights off because our, we work in a hospital. Everything's very neon and very bright. And we put some, I put some like meditative, you know, bells on whatever in the background. And we just aimlessly color in these cute little postcards. And what I get them to do if they want to is write how they're feeling at the beginning of the session and what they're carrying. And then after the session, how they feel now and what they'd like to do. And just, you know, they don't have to, if they don't want to, it's all choice. They don't have to come to the sessions, but it's there if they want to. And we can just chat or we can not chat. It's just a moment to connect with each other as people. So it brings our team closer together. This is so random, but you'll appreciate this. My brother just had his Pfizer COVID jab. Oh yeah, how's he going? How's his internet? I just got a message. Whoa, sis. I feel so spacey, spacey after me jab, like I'm stoned. So weird, man. So spacey. Whoa. <laughs> so I don't know what Pfizer's Whoa. done to my brother. <laughs> I wish yeah. I felt that good yeah. after I got mine. Yeah, so I was like, <laughs> I, I just said, got on with I said, work. I said that doesn't make sense. D- it, does your arm hurt? But all I've got was so spacey, so weird. Whoa. I mean, I reckon what he's done is he's hyperventilated and he's just gone a little bit yeah, hypoxic. Yeah, yeah. Probably. <laughs> Highly likely. Hypoxic lack of oxygen Great. to the brain Love will make that. you feel a little bit spacey. So probably that, Ben. Oh, my God. Probably not the visor. Probably not. Bloody hell. It's so weird. <laughs> but I think it's, um, you know... Mental health for me is tough and it is very hard work. And when people say it's hard work, it's hard work, but it is worth it. I do feel better. Do you know what really annoys me though? What? Um, I always feel, <laughs> this is weird. I always feel like mental. I have like a bad moment or feel bad or whatever. And I'm like, I'm going to talk to my therapist about this feeling right now. And then the day I go to my therapist, I've either forgotten it or I don't feel it anymore. And I'm like, um, I'm okay, actually. I feel fine. Yeah. Apparently that's quite a common thing. Oh, it's so annoying. Yeah. It's so well, annoying. Gonna, like, write it down. Hey, I put these things together too um, for emotional challenges. So mental health challenges, emotional challenges for people with living with chronic illness. And it just kind of really, for me, made me realize, wow, there's a lot of aspects of our chronic illness that work coincide alongside our Mm. Mm -hmm. mental illness yeah um and it says you know the emotional challenges might include the coming to terms with why me what did i do to deserve this and i think a lot of my feelings of anger this year were the base of that why me why did my relationship fall apart Mm. why did i deal get these complications what did i do to deserve this i'm a good person i do good things for people why is it coming back to bite me and i think that really triggered my mental illness yeah totally i blame it on the fact that i was born on the same day as hitler I don't think Austin Powers did anything for me. No. I can't use that one. Well, because I had that um, that feeling of why me, especially with a um, able-bodied sister. Yeah, growing for sure. Growing up, for, for sure. sure. Um, and then another one I've got is being faced with your own mortality and potentially thinking with things that go wrong, how serious is this? Oh, will yeah. I die? What will happen to my friends, my family? Mm-hmm. Those sorts. And I, this is pretty dark and a bit vulnerable of me to be talking about it, but obviously this year I got pretty sick for a while there. I thought, I was like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Yeah, I thought you were at one point. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm, I could potentially die. But then 
me. You all know I have spent way too much time and energy thinking about those friends and those friendships. And we did an episode on that, which one of my girlfriends says was her favorite episode, but she cried a lot and she cut some people out of her life. (laughs) Good. Love you, babe. Bravo. Um, Snip, snip. snip. But yes. So we all know I spent too much energy and time to that. And I had a pretty dark thought that I didn't disclose with anyone for a while. And then I disclosed it to my mum. Um, and she was great and said she has also had similar thoughts in the past. But I actually thought after all of those things that happened, I nearly died. They didn't check in on me. We all know this. They didn't message. They didn't check in. I took myself there and thought, what if something really bad happened to me? Would they care then? Yeah. What if I got a little bit sicker? Would they care then? Mm. If I died, mum, do you think they'd come to my funeral? Like I was so, I could not understand how you would treat a friend like this. I was like, mm. if I just get sicker and sicker, m- maybe they'll step in. Maybe they'll maybe show they'll up. apologize yeah. for what they've done in the past. Maybe they'll show up. It was a pretty, I know it's definitely a dark thought I had during mm. all of that, which yeah. it's hard because like I said, shit, it's just more energy that I spent on them that I shouldn't have. But I did. And I took myself to a bad place. Um, another one was worrying about each ache or pain that you have is your illness returning. So I mm-hmm. know as soon as my coccyx pain, which we're hoping majority of it is because of my tight pelvic floor from surgical complications. And but potentially I, your long leg. I mean, long leg. But like I said to Sean, I was like, oh, well, that's my endo growing back on my bum yeah. straight away. A lot of my friends who I know have endo have that in that they fear any pain or any abnormal feeling is that suddenly it's grown back, it's back. or it's back or it's worse and yeah. it's come back faster and that is it's you know so draining yeah. to constantly think it's that. horrible and I so- thought that when when I first got told that I had to have my med- my mechanical heart valve changed mm. or my my first heart surgery mm. that thought hit me in that I was like well now we've started this ball rolling we'll get, we'll swap out of um uh you know an tube and I'm like yep cool and then we'll do the valve all right yep and then oh am I now we've now we've broken that seal. Am I going to have to have the whole thing replaced? Yeah. And like I'm like, oh well, then what? What if that happens? Then I'm going to definitely be on medication for the rest of my life. And oh, that sucks. Then there's a real chance that I'll die young. And you know, that's yeah. what you want to be thinking at 15. Yeah. Oh. Not <laughs> yummy. Yeah. And so then I think that literally goes into the next one I wrote was dealing with the uncertainty of your illness. So feeling powerless, always imagining the worst, mm-hmm. and those. They're, they're very draining thoughts to be having all the time. Yep. And then in turn, wondering where you fit in in your personal and professional life because mm-hmm. you can't always be the nurse. I know I can't always be the nurse I want to be because of my pain. Mm-hmm. I know that friends, I don't want to be the friend that drains you or the friend that can't rock up to things, but they yep. also affect your mental health. Yeah, totally. Then you obviously have to adjust to the long-term changes of your lifestyle. Like I didn't think I'd be having this pain after I had surgery to improve my endo symptoms and now Mm. it's made it worse because of complications so that's horrible and then you grieve the loss of your health that you've never had or the health that you did have before developing a chronic illness yeah then you obviously have to make adjustments to your family your work and your financial life oh god yeah so that takes a huge toll on you mentally and then also in that you have to deal with the responses from your partner your friends your family and kind of like almost take on their mental health fears and stuff about about you yeah, you know totally. what i mean like, yeah for sure i mourned the waistline i never had 
because I don't have a waist because my spine was fused when I was so young. And I never, when I hit puberty, I didn't grab a waist. And because my rib cage has grown into my hips, there's no gap. Yeah, true. There's no gap. I have no waist. But you're I have wearing no a waist. cute new jumper that we bought on date night. Thanks, babe. So, um, yeah, look, I've, I've mourned the body I wanted and will never get. Um, yeah, that's, it's a wild drain on your life. And that is why I am still in therapy. But that's good. You're doing something about it, sister. Yep. And it's helping. It definitely helps. It's hard work and it's very upsetting. And you feel... And like having to bring up trauma constantly oh and work through it. you go like, tell them everything. Yeah, and like literally oh. when I saw this new physio, she was like, tell me a story. And I just went... Oh. She's like, oh, you've been through a lot. You don't want to do this again, do you? I was like, no. No, I don't. No. And it's going to be traumatic and I'm going to cry and it's going to suck. Mm. But here we are. Here we are. Here I we go. Mean, and I know I need to push through because I know you're going to potentially help me a lot. Yeah. But it's just that getting over that hump, isn't it? Like yeah. Ugh. Opening but up. it's definitely worth it. Would recommend. Yes. For sure. For sure, sister. But let's end on a happier note. Okay. I just want to touch on our amazing community that we're developing with this podcast. And we received a lovely note from Steph. A f- from Steph, a friend of a friend. A friend of Beck. And um, she wrote us this lovely little quote. Do we have it? Where is it? Oh, I think I've put it in a... Is it, I think it's in the fridge, not the fridge. Oh, it's on Wait, the... Oh, in the fridge. Hang on, I'll just go get it. I think... It, well, I think it is. Oh, it is might, it? I don't know. I'll put it on... I'll just take a photo of it and put it on our Insta. I think that's probably easiest. Okay. But I pretty much said, like, love you girls so much. Like, yep. love the Yeah, and we're going to put it in so the pod cute. room. And it's in the pod room, but yeah. I put it away safely. Yeah, safely. Room. Too safe, apparently. And then I also had a lovely interaction with one of our listeners. Um, whilst at work in my professional format, um, I was calling a ward to talk about a patient and a work workflow that we needed to do and the shift coordinator picked up the phone and I started talking I was like hi um I'm Sean my name's Sean I'm um, just calling from infection control and then on the other end of the line the the nurse the shift coordinator that I was talking to was like <laughs> giggling and I was like are you okay she's like I'm really sorry this is going to sound really unprofessional but um it's really weird listening to your voice on the phone because I listen to your podcast and I really love it um and I was like oh that's so lovely thank you so much and then she goes, oh, you probably had people talk to tell you this all the time. And I was like, no, this is actually the first. And um, I've bookmarked it as a memory. And there I'll you go. Share it with the public. Share it in I the think podcast. I told you mine. Like my first one at work was like I was having a, like a really busy day on my palliative care job. And I, my arms were full of equipment. I had pumps and policies. And I was racing down to the basement to grab something else. And I couldn't press the lift button. And this girl was like, oh, let me grab it for you. And pressed it. And she's like, what floor are you going to? I was like, oh, to the basement, thanks. Like, then my phone starts ringing. So I've like got the phone on one ear while holding two pumps. Like I was not my best self, very sweaty. I'd done my whole ward round in like bloody half an hour. I was dripping with sweat, trying to get all this stuff up and running. And I'm on the phone to this family and I'm like, blah, blah, blah. anyway, she presses the button for me and she gets out the lid first because I was going to the basement and she just turns around. I don't have my name badge on. My swipe card's fallen off. So that's also in my bunch of shit that I'm holding. <laughs> and she looks at me, she's like, um, sorry, are you that lady from the podcast? And I just froze. I was like, oh, I, I don't know. Like, what, what podcast? <laughs> She's like, Craig, what, what podcast? podcast? I was like, what, maybe? I don't, I don't What do you listen to? <laughs> She's like, the Craig sisters. I was like, oh, yes. Yeah, that's me. Sorry, I'm not my best self. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> I had some lift doors just like, yeah. and they shot like, well, thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> well, I was chatting to one of my um, friends and they were at a ward event for someone's birthday. I haven't told you this. Um, and she was like, yeah, 
one of the topics at lunch was your podcast. So weird, hey? So weird. I've been on annual leave, but Sean goes up to ICU to like review patients and policies and stuff. And they were like, oh, you're that lady that works with Jess with the podcast. It's like, yes, I am. Please wash your hands. (laughs) Love that. All right, questions to start. Do you have any questions for me? Um, um, Question is, are you going to get some bubbles? Maybe. Because I think I want to. Well, see, I I think maybe that's why I have a Kmart shopping addiction because that's my play. I play. That, no, you, yeah, I'm no, gonna you cannot. I thought really nice. New. Well, because I had this cute little study nook and then we took the desk into the I spare room. I stole the desk. Sean stole it and we it's made the perfect. chronic sisters and so now it's in my spare room. So now I have this empty nook. Anyway, I bought this really cute little like hall table it's called. I need to make that tonight. I love building stuff like that maybe because I'm playing. So I'm going to use, I'm going to Kmart shop more, Sean. That's what I'm going to do. No. Yes. It's not your play. I love that. Not your play. That's good. Question, Sister Jess. Yeah, what? No, do you have a question? Oh, <laughs> it's like another one. Do you know oh. what segment we're doing here? Um, I think we're dropping two. No. Um, hmm. Um. No, I don't think so. No? Not at the moment. But like okay. I said, this could be a little mini series, so I might develop some questions for you. Okay, fine. Okay. Quotes All from right, the little book. Me. Go on, little car book. What you got? Little car book. <clears throat> and the day came. When the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. That is so sweet. I love that. I was so engulfed in that that I've You've not found your quote? No, I've got it, got it. Okay, so mine is a little... I seem to always do the longer ones. This is from Instagram that I saved because I love that. And it's called that... I thought it was quite topical. I'm doing a topical one. No, it's very topical. Nine signs that someone is good for your mental health. We love that. We love that. We love good for mental health. Okay, number one. Number uno. They love getting to know you as a person. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. Where's that song from? Where's that that? song from? You've made that up. I haven't. That's a song. Yeah. Okay. Shut up. I'm on number two. Sorry. Okay. You don't have to hide any parts of yourself with them. That's important. Great. I'm still trying to think of what the song is. Up. Sorry. You can be vulnerable around them. <laughs> oh, my God. As you just tell me to shut up. They respect your personal boundaries. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> they communicate honestly with you. Oh, well. Yeah, I'm so honest. Yeah, they well. encourage you to grow as a person. One centimeter. One whole centimeter. You fused <laughs> spine. You feel seen, heard, and appreciated. I appreciate you I daily. I appreciate you. They support your dreams and uplift you. I mean, we're doing look this. At, look so. at us thrive here on the podcast. <laughs> you feel comfortable and safe around them. Yep. And that, that was the last one. Oh. I think. I feel like that was, was that nine? nine. Unless. No, that was definitely nine. Yep, it was. Okay. I will throw that on our Insta story. So we'll you link can it. Keep that all forever. Link it, links. That, that's cute. Remind when you're around people how they make you feel. We've spoken mm. about it before in episode Whatever. three. Take notes. Three. Take note. Episode three, episode snip, snip. six. The Elastic Band Theory, Florence Given. We love that. We love that. Um, so, yeah, that is all for this little taste of the mental health series. It's the start. It's the start it's of something the big. It's the start of something new. It feels so right we need to, stop. to be here with you. Ow. Okay. <laughs> love that for us. Uh, you're all welcome. Enjoy your day. If you're driving to or home from work, drive safely. Drive safely. I know that I always listen to podcasts on the drive, so please.
drive safely. Have a fabulous week, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye.